service. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, are you guys proud dog owners like I am? You ever wonder why so many dogs are suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, you know Katherine Heigl from Knocked Up. She's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation. And she says that she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, Catherine feels that there's one place that we can all look to improve our dog's health, and that is their food. Many dog foods can actually create toxins that can be wrecking our dog's health. Okay, and this is true even for many of the premium dog food brands. However, by just adding a few special superfoods to our dog's diets, we can see huge transformations in their health. Catherine Heigl has already done this. She's made a video about it. You guys need to watch this video. It's a 20 minute video explaining step by step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. This worked amazingly for my dog, Dusty. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin, uh, healthier coat. Dusty's coat looks fantastic. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash disgraceland and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash Disgraceland. Hey, Discos. Need a little more Disgraceland in your life? Just a touch to get you through? Yeah, me too. This is the podcast that comes after the podcast. Welcome to Disgraceland, the after party. Welcome to the Disgraceland bonus episode, a little thing we like to call the after party. This is the show after the show, the party after the party, the bridge to get you from one full episode of Disgraceland to the other, the backyard to dig into the dirt. On this episode, we are talking about New Order, the greatest British bands of the post-punk era, and me getting to know you. And of course, your voicemails, texts, DMs, and more, and as always, a whole lot of Rosie. All right, discos, let's get into it.
All right, all right, all right. We are here. We are in session. The discos have entered the chat, and I'm grateful you're here with me today on this bonus episode of Disgraceland. We are starting off prompted by this week's full episode subject of Disgraceland, New Order. And there's a lot going on in this episode on the crime front that I'm not going to use this space to discuss, but instead, I want to jump off one musical fact from the New Order story as a way into a larger musical question that I've been thinking about. Uh, Some of you may be saying, who the hell is New Order? I've never heard of New Order. And that's cool. And that's why we have the full episode for you to check out. But know this. You might not know who New Order is, but you definitely know who Quincy Jones is. Quincy, or Q, is one of the biggest names in the music industry and has been for the last 60-some-odd years. The dude is a giant. And back in the 1980s, uh, sort of at the, the apex of his career, or right about at the beginning of the apex of his career, uh, he recognized that New Order was one of the most promising groups to emerge out of England. So Quincy Jones, a.k.a. Q here, set about to work with New Order. The results? Debatable. Uh, What it wasn't was the next thriller, but it doesn't erase the fact that one of the greatest producers of all time recognized the greatness in a little synth band from the UK. It's no secret that the United Kingdom, more specifically, let's just narrow it down, let's say England, this is where my thoughts have been. It's no secret that England has produced some of the greatest groups of all time, specifically uh, of the past 40 years. That's the era that I'm more interested in. From the time of New Order on, from 1980 to now, the years prior from, say, the Beatles in 1962-63 through the punk explosion of the 70s and up until 1980, are less interesting to me because it's music history territory that has been strip mined time and time again. We, we've talked about, I've talked about this era so much. I've done episodes on so many of these subjects. Uh, I love that era. I love those bands, but you know, there's more, okay? That's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in discussing or debating the greatness of the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, Led Zeppelin, even the Clash, or any of the other amazing rock bands that emerged from England between 63 and 79, and all the great punk bands as well. But I am interested in discussing and debating the English bands that broke out after punk rock broke through. Who are the greatest English groups of the post-punk era? It is an impressive list. And I'm not just talking about post-punk bands. I know that's a genre, okay? I mean the era. I mean after punk. I mean it literally, post-punk era. It's an impressive list, and it starts with New Order. It includes... A long list of great bands, Depeche Mode, Police, Dire Straits. I know you're saying, hey, Depeche Mode started in 79 or whatever, and the Police started in 77. Yeah, but they weren't punk bands. So therefore, they are post-punk. They are after punk. Dire Straits, and they didn't hit really until the 80s either. The Police didn't really break through until the 80s. Dire Straits, did I say that already? I think I did. The The, The Eurythmics, Duran Duran, Echo and the Bunnymen, and The Cure, The Smiths, okay? That's the 80s. The 90s might even be more impressive. Oasis, Blur, Pulp, Radiohead, Stone Roses, Supergrass, The Verve, Suede, Bush, Travis, Happy Mondays. I feel like I'm a great Scott. Listen, let's break it down. You basically got two decades of greatness, the 80s and the 90s to choose from here. Remember, we're talking about England, okay? I just, I don't know why I feel like I gotta say that again. Uh, And we are excluding the 60s and the 70s. But if you're picking two bands from the 60s, you'd probably go Beatles, Stones. And if you're gonna go two bands from the 70s, you'd probably go Zeppelin Clash, or maybe not, but that's what I do. So what two English bands from the 80s do you choose? And what two English bands from the 90s do you choose? And is New Order one of them. Greatest 
English group, not solo artists, of the post-punk era. For the 80s, I'd probably go The Cure and The Smiths. And for the 90s, I'd probably go Oasis and Blur. But I, I, no, I'm not saying that exactly yet. I got to think about it more. Not sure about a fifth more modern band, maybe Arctic Monkeys. Again, I need to, I need to give it a think. So what are your top five English groups from the post-punk era? Prompted by New Order, this new full episode we have on New Order, 617-906-6638. Leave me a voicemail, send me a text, let me know, or you can hit me at Pod on the socials. Going to take a quick break, back in a flash, your voicemails and your texts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, you know the drill, 617-906-6638 to send a text to leave a voicemail, just like this dude from the 978. Uh, so before we get to the message here, just a, a couple weeks ago, I told you guys about my experience as a little kid backstage at an Aerosmith concert. That was probably 88, 89. This dude has his own story about being kid backstage at an Aerosmith concert from a different era of the band entirely, from 78, 79, and it's freaking awesome. Sean, let's play the 978. Jake. Annie from the 978 part of Boston. Great podcast, long-time listener. i got a little Aerosmith story for you. Uh, my dad was a buddy of the backstage manager of Aerosmith, and he got us backstage passes late 70s, 78, 79. So we went in Boston Garden uh, backstage, and he tell us, come on, let's go see the guys. He goes, but I got to put you to work. So we carried in big trash barrels full of beer into this locker room. And Aerosmith was in there, Steve Tyler, everybody, bunch of girls everywhere. And he said, Joe said to us, just look, don't say nothing. We're going to the end of the locker room and then we'll come back. So we're going down. There were drugs everywhere. It was a friggin' madhouse. So we go back there, and one of them, I think it was Tyler, yelled to get the kids out of there. We were 17, 18 at the time. So we get out. They were playing with ZZ Top. And uh, as we're out there, Billy Gibbons goes by, and he goes, I hope you boys are bringing beer into our locker, too. So we went in there. I got to admit, the girls from ZZ Top were a lot prettier than the girls from Aerosmith. And those guys were actually pretty cool. They they just kind of had this essence around them that was just unbelievable. They were just laid back, cool guys, 
they chatted a little bit, and then uh, they said, well, get out of here. we got to get ready for the show. But it's just a pretty cool experience over and out from Bean Town. Dude, amazing story. Not surprised that the Texas boys had better taste in women than the New Englanders. And uh, I love that their vibe was so cool and so different than Aerosmith. So thank you for the story. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this before I started talking into the microphone to you guys today. I was thinking about all the Aerosmith uh, incoming I've received from you guys and all the sort of shit we've talked about, Aerosmith. And and I, I just, we haven't talked a lot about Joe Perry. We talked a lot about Steven Tyler and how goofy he is. And I talked about how cool Tom Hamilton was, but I never mentioned how cool I think Joe Perry uh, was and is, I guess. Not to mention that he is a beast of a guitar player. And I just, I felt that worth mentioning. Um, it's important to remember the positive stuff here. I feel like I feel like we're pretty balanced, but I just wanted to get that out. I'm not sure I said it in the last few weeks. All right, let's check out this voicemail from the 207. Oof, boy, you, you bit one off of that one. All right, so who are we? Well, I don't know who anybody else is. I'm John. I'm from New Hampshire. I'm a craftsman. Uh, I work by myself because... <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's hard enough standing myself as opposed to anybody else. Um, but yeah, so I spend a lot of hours by myself doing detailed things and I listen to music and I listen to interesting thought provoking podcasts. One of which are actually all of your stuff is really interesting and thought provoking. Um, in music, I find it's so suited to the situation. Um, if I'm doing something really cerebral, I want to listen to jazz or something jazz influenced, you know, something that's really just technical and there, um, but not there. Just kind of, I hate to say numbers, but it's almost like numbers, you know? Um, and then, you know, if I'm doing something loud and thrashy, you got to put on something loud and thrashy. And, you know, if a 38-year-old man needs to feel like a teenager again, well, then I put on motherfucking Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> so uh, that's that's who I am, brother. And you're a big part of it <clears throat> and all the podcasters. So that's huge. Um, so thank you guys for what you do. And specifically, thank you for this part of your podcast because it's really interesting to be able to take – part in it and like kind of take a little bit of ownership in it um i feel like you actually listen to us you know what i mean like some of the stuff you says say drives me absolutely batshit sometimes and then other times i'm freaking thumping on the roof of my truck going yeah buddy so that's that and listen um i'm sure you've heard a million aerosmith stories at this point but here's one for you all right uh i can't believe i forgot this <clears throat> my family owned a sea uh, uh seafood market in new hampshire Steven Tyler walked in one time. There was a uh, Vietnamese guy working, and he, with his accent, said to my mother, he's in Aerosmith. My mother heard this as he's an Aerosmith. My mother didn't know who Steven Tyler was, so hand to God, my mother, as she's checking Steven Tyler out, says, so do you make arrows? Shit, you not, bro. You should have seen the friggin' sideways head that he had. Fucking hilarious. All right, buddy. Keep up the good work. I'm going to listen to the rest of your podcast. You just uh, inspired a way too long voicemail. Ciao for now. Rock and roll. John, amazing, man. Amazing. I literally laughed out loud when I heard your mom asked uh, Stephen Tyler if he made arrows. 
So yeah, uh, stoked to get to know you, John. If you guys missed the after party last week, a listener called in and asked about me and I gave an answer. Uh, the listener wanted to know where, you know, sort of where I come from, what makes me me, it's, et cetera. Uh, but I turned it around afterward and I asked about you guys. And that's what John is responding to here. And I appreciate that. And uh, I want to know who you guys are and what you do, what you listen to, when you listen to it, what makes you tick, not only because I want to make better content for you, but because fucking social media in the world today can be so antisocial when you get right down to it. So, John, I love the message. Um, I'm the same dude, jazz in the morning when I'm writing and uh, loud music in the afternoon when I'm working around the house or hitting balls with my boys. Guys, 617-906-6638. Call me. Leave me a voicemail. Send me a text. Introduce yourselves. All right? Let's check in with another disco here with Laura from the 914. Hey, Jake, it's Laura. Um, love the show, of course. I love everything you do and all the stories you unearth. It's such a journey. And I don't know if you've already covered this artist. I haven't been through all of the backlog of episodes, but Sia, um, whatever you think of her as a pop star or her pop music, you can't deny the unbelievable talent that she's got. And I seem to remember a story of some kind of betrayal or intrigue in her background where she w did not intend to release her vocals on a track, but uh, since someone, maybe a producer, I don't know who would make this decision, decided that she did it the best, uh, he went out and released it without her knowledge or something like that. I don't even know if that's even possible. But if this story really happened, I would – to hear it on Disgraceland would be amazing because I know you would put the spin on it that it needs, that it uh, that it deserves if this really happened. So from what I remember of this story, that's why she covers her face with her hair because the last thing she wants is fame. And uh, you know, without without rocking her world at all, I would I would love to learn more about her. Thanks again for everything you do. Bye bye. Great idea, Laura. And yes, that sounds totally like something that a producer would do and could do. See ya. Going to look into it. I never knew this story. I never. I don't know anything about her, to be perfectly honest. But this is intriguing, and I appreciate the uh, recommendation. It's a good one. All right, guys. 617-906-6638. If you've got a recommendation on the show we should be doing, an episode, excuse me, uh, you can leave me a voicemail or a text. Let me know what your favorite English groups of the post-punk era are. And also, just introduce yourself. Let me know a little bit about you, what you do, what makes you tick. 617-906-6638. Let's check out some texts. Uh, we have this conversation going about engagement and, and how artists connect with their audience and what makes you guys as an audience connect with your favorite musicians. And of course, we've been talking about Taylor Swift and talking about her here in the after party and also uh, in the uh, the little mini episodes we do on Mondays, what I'm unofficially calling the pre-party. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, Taylor Swift, the phenomenon that she is, I I'm just... I'm intrigued what people are responding to. we got a text here from 860. Hey, Jake, weighing in on the Taylor Swift, she engages with fans in a way nobody has ever done before. I think she understands her fans better than any artist in history and truly enjoys creating an interactive world for the fandom. The effort she puts in is unparalleled. Thanks for everything you do. Love all the content. 860, I hear you. Give me some examples. What exactly, what is the effort that she puts in and what is the interactive world that is the Taylor Swift? 
Swift fandom. Uh, how do you, as a fan, engage with Taylor Swift? That's what I want to know. 617-906-6638. Text me back, 860, or uh, hit me with a voicemail. All right, I said uh, I said I said we we're gonna put this one to bed, but this is a funny text from the three hundred three. Hey, Jake Stephanie from the three hundred three Billboard's top fifty best rap groups of all time left me highly offended, especially the top five. My top five best rap groups of all time. It's number one N.W.A. Number two, Wu-Tang. Number three, Public Enemy. Number four, Run DMC. And number five, Beastie Boys. I stand by what I said and I'll die on this hill. <laughs> Thanks for your podcast. I enjoy listening to it every week, especially the bonus episodes. Yeah, you got it, 303. Rocking. Uh, I like that list. That's a good, good, good list. All right, 540 writes in, Thin Lizzy is great. Sex Pistols are great. Yes, members of Thin Lizzy, Paul Cook and Steve Jones teamed up. That is cool, but I digress. Deuces. Yeah. I don't know where this Thin Lizzy stuff is coming from. I don't know. I, did I say something? I didn't say anything about Thin Lizzy. And all of a sudden, I start getting all these texts about Thin Lizzy and, and me not liking them. And I don't know what that's about. So uh, maybe I said something that sounded like Thin Lizzy. <laughs> I have no idea. It's bizarre. Okay, uh, 810 writes in, it's sort of music news for this week. I didn't know if you saw, I, I did see this, what the 810 is about to say here. I didn't know if you saw that Leslie Van Houten was released from prison yesterday. She was part of the Charles Manson family and actively participated in the Helter Skelter murders. Definitely doesn't deserve to have been released, if you ask me. Thanks for all you do, and rock and roll Dean. Dean from the 810, I did see that. I thought about posting something about that um, on Instagram and talking to you guys about it over there. But last time I made a post about Charles Manson, Instagram basically shut my freaking account down, uh, which is ridiculous. So I, uh, yeah, I guess I can talk about it here. Um, and I did see this and I have very mixed feelings about it. Leslie Van Houten, definitely, uh, yeah, Manson girl, one of Charlie's girls and, and like a for real one, like the one who was on the inside doing the killing. Um... And uh, I, I do have mixed feelings. I mean, I don't know. This woman's been in prison since the early 70s. Uh, this crime was horrific. How they behaved was barbaric. And some really innocent people uh, lost their lives, and, and that sucks. But on the other hand, you know, this I go back and forth in my head all the time, the difference between, being, you know, punitive punishment and redemption. And it's, uh, you know, we're all imperfect, and I think our imperfection sometimes stems to our ability to even figure this stuff out. Then again, I'm sure there's some of you who are very black and white about this, and I respect that as well. And at times I am too. Um, so anyways, it's an interesting topic. I'm always obsessed with the Manson family. I saw a picture, someone, um, no, didn't text it to me. They sent it to me on Instagram today. If you remember in the, one of the Manson episodes we did, I think it might have been one of the Mama Cass episodes I talk about, or no, it might have been the Manson episode, the, the like Charles Manson, the Music Man episode of Disgraceland. I talk about how Neil Young gifted Charles Manson a motorcycle, um, and someone found an image of that, of Charlie on this chopper that Neil Young gave him and sent it to me today. And it's incredible. Uh, it's, a, it's just a shocking image. I, I, I'd post it, but like I said... I'm done fucking around with the boys at Meta. They don't play. All right, what else we got here? Let's see. 
from the 650. Hi, from the 650. I've been listening to After Party and Rap Party episodes to hear an email address, but didn't. I finally sent a message through the contact form on your website only to this morning to finally hear an email address. Do you see the messages sent into the contact form or should I resend my message as an email? <laughs> okay, um, I do see them. I think I get a lot of emails. Uh, disgracelandpod at gmail.com. And I'm pretty sure that the form on the website uh, handles that correctly. I also shout it out. But for you, for those of you who are wondering why uh, you haven't got your email received, I've been trying to re- I've been trying in real time to answer them as much of them as possible lately. And I've been trying to answer them in the bonus episodes that we do on Mondays. Okay, so if you're looking for a reply, it's probably going to be in those little um, mini episodes we're doing the pre party episodes on Mondays, just to give you a recap Monday, uh, mini episode, Tuesday, full episode, Thursday, these here after party episodes. Uh, But the emails, they're in the mini episodes Mondays. All right, disgracelandpod at gmail.com. Okay, one more text here. You know, I'm surprised we talked, I think we got interrupted by the 4th of July, and that's why this topic didn't really go as far as I wanted it to go. But last we spoke, I asked you guys about the year 1994 for music, and I didn't get a lot of incoming on it. Uh, Either you weren't paying attention, or maybe I didn't record that part, (laughs) or uh, my take just isn't as interesting as I think it is, man. That's some Elaine Bennis humor there. Is it possible that I'm not as attractive as I think I am? Uh, Anyways, I digress. But uh, I asked the question about 1994 and whether or not it was the greatest year of music or one of the greatest years of music. Um, And uh, yeah, we got this back. Yo, dude, 1994, Lollapalooza. This is from the 302. Yo, dude, 1994, Lollapalooza with Beastie's whole, supposed to be Nirvana, but Kurt died. Nick Cave, The Breeders, P-Funk All-Stars, You're Not Wrong about 1994. Also on that bill, Sonic Youth, Fishbone, uh, Primus, I believe, as well. I was there in 94. 94, they had it in Rhode Island, if I remember correctly. Uh, I remember the monks who were touring, the Buddhist monks who were touring with the Beastie Boys being backstage. Don't ask me how I got backstage. I did. Um, What else? What else from 94? Who else was on that bill? You know, I think what happened here, I think the reason, I don't remember P-Funk on that bill. Maybe they were. Or Nick Cave, I don't remember that, but I think what happened, 94, they started swapping out some of the uh, sort of undercard artists regionally on Lollapalooza. But it doesn't erase the fact, 94, banger year for music, all right? Uh, 617-906-6638, you can hit me up on any of these topics, voicemail, uh, send a text, whatever. Most importantly, I want you to introduce yourselves. Let me know who you guys are, all right? I talk about myself all the time. You know what? It's fucking boring to talk about yourself. I want to talk about you guys a little bit. 617-906-6638. Tell me who you are. Tell me what you do for work. Uh, Tell me when you listen to music, what music you love, when you listen to this podcast, and what you're doing when you're listening to it. How you first heard this podcast. What you want out of this podcast. And uh, I'll answer it all as best I can. I want to get to know you guys a little better. And I think that the voicemail mechanism and the text mechanism are two pretty cool ways to do it. All right. You can always DM me as well, at Pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. And uh, threads too, right? And then there's uh, email, disgracelandpod at gmail.com. I'm going to take a quick break. Be back in a second with some recommendations.
All right, we are back in the recommendations part. This is the recommendations part, the part where we recommend the things that need recommending the recommendations part. What I've been listening to. So the song Grinder Man by John Lee Hooker. Do you guys know the song? I didn't. I mean, uh, I have for a couple of years now, but it's relatively new to me. What it's a strange one from the John Lee Hooker archive. Um and I went back to this song recently because I've just got I got a lot of baseball on my mind lately, guys. I've been talking about baseball to you a little bit. I've been I've been going to games, been to two Sox games so far, going to a triple A game in a couple weeks, uh, down in uh, North Carolina. And uh I'm just baseball right now is better than it's been in at least a decade, if not more. The rules changes that they implemented this year have really played out in a in a positive and exciting way for viewers. I thought the All-Star game the other night was awesome. I know people were bummed that it wasn't like, you know, a big hitting game, but I don't mind that. I like pitching and defense. Anyways, um Grinder Man <laughs> is a baseball song. But I was uh I was going to the Red Sox game on Fourth of July with my family, with my wife and my two boys. And uh, they're playing the Texas Rangers. And I was looking for like a these like a baseball playlist on Spotify. And it's just, it's, there's so, you know, baseball truly is, or at least it was America's pastime for the uh, major, the, the, the bulk of American modern history. And it's really reflected in the wide expanse and diversity and different types of of songs that are about baseball. Uh, it's all over the fucking map. So I didn't find the, the playlist I was looking for, but I did remember the song Grinder Man by John Lee Hooker, which it's, like I said, it's a weird one from John Lee Hooker's past. He, he recorded it with Stax, the Memphis label, which was... Uh, I'm not exactly sure the history of how that happened. Um, the song is so mean. It is so low down and so dirty. And it just, it makes you want to take a fucking bath after you hear it. That's the type of song this song is. But uh, I guess <laughs> John Lee Hooker must have been a baseball fan. And I think what a grinder man was at that time, whenever the song was written, I don't know, 60s, I'm guessing, 70s. Uh, was a grinder, you know, like they say, hey, that guy's a grinder. He can really grind him out, grind out at bats, um, grind out his hustle, his running to the base, to first, to second, whatever. I'm not really sure where the term grinder man fits in exactly in baseball, but I know it is a baseball term. And John Lee Hooker is, of course, using it as a way, a metaphor for sex <laughs> and how he is the grinder man. And it's kind of funny, but it is set to this incredibly slinky, grimy John Lee Hooker sound. It's just fucking awesome. So check that tune out. All right. If I know it's a lot about one song, but hey, trust me, if we were hanging out at a bar and we were just drinking beers, you know, this is what I'd be talking about. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about here, which is not sort of as specific and weird as, as this obscure John Lee Hooker tune, quite the opposite. Last night I was watching uh Turner classic movies as I, uh, often do, uh, when I'm winding down and uh, they run these great bumpers on TCM and they're, they were showing uh, all the upcoming films that they're, they're going to be playing in, in over the summer. And one of them um, 
which is hard for me to think of it as a classic movie because it's still relatively new compared to the stuff that Turner Classic Movies plays, was almost famous, the Cameron Crowe movie about um, Cameron Crowe's experience as a young journalist for Rolling Stone back in the 70s, which we've all seen a thousand times. And we've seen it so much. I know we have. It's almost not even worth talking about. But in, in seeing the movie in this bumper for Turner Classic Movies with a bunch of other iconic films edited in and around uh, the almost famous promotion. It really struck me. And of course, you know, there was sound and they were, they were playing cuts from it. They were playing Tiny Dancer. Uh, it really struck me just how iconic this movie is. And when it came out, I just thought it was like, a, I thought it was a really cool movie, a really fun movie. Um, but I, I didn't realize at the time um, what it would become and what it would mean to me now as a, as a guy who's seen this movie a thousand times. Um, and it just got me thinking, you know, the opposite of Grinder Man, <laughs> thinking about Grinder Man and John Lee Hooker, which is relatively obscure. It got me thinking this is relatively basic and mainstream uh, line of thought, but what is the best movie about music? And is it almost famous? You know, I'm sitting here asking that question and, uh, I don't know that I'm saying yes, but I don't know that I'm saying no either. So tell me, what is the best movie about music? Is it Almost Famous? Is It doesn't have to be a biopic. It could be A Star is Born, the, the recent one, the Bradley Cooper one, Lady Gaga. That movie is incredible um, for, for a... a, a I, about 10 different reasons that movie, uh, 10, 10, 10 different reasons that are different from the reasons that Almost Famous is an incredible movie. Um, you know, if you're talking biopics, Buddy Holly's story, Coal Miner's Daughter, there are so many. And there are just so many movies about music, scripted I'm talking about, not documentaries. That's a separate question. So let me know. I want to know. 617-906-6638, right? Uh, some guy from outer space just landed on Earth today and he wants to watch uh, one movie about music. Uh, what do you tell him to watch? Let me know. All right. Um, want to talk vintage music videos for a second? Okay. As I'm, you know, I'm lying in bed, just got my phone open and I'm, I'm writing down my thoughts in a, in a document to sort of you know, come up in here into the studio and hop into the ISO booth and, and record this for you guys. And I, I flip on my Excite 80s flashback channel, uh, which shows me all the vintage music videos I need. And uh, Bon Jovi's You Give Love a Bad Name is on. And I am reminded of why I hated this guy so damn much as a child. Uh it's so cheesy. <laughs> At the same time, now, as an adult, I love it. I fucking get how much of a hit it was and why it was such a massive hit. Um, you know, I've never actively listened to bon John Bon Jovi or Bon Jovi, I should say. But when that song comes on now, I'm turning the volume up. It's a fucking banger. It's a great song. The chorus is incredible. No harmonies, just gang vocals. It's fucking awesome. Richie Sambor fucking rips. What was I so uptight about and angry about as a young kid? Why couldn't I get with Bon Jovi? You know, I pride myself on being the... I, I talked about it last week. I was the kid who liked all kinds of music. I fucking hated hair metal, though. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's just like the... I guess because it was just the opposite of punk rock. But I watched that video now. It's just dudes having fun, 
They're just running around in their big hair and their spandex and their fucking big stadium with their big choruses and their big guitar solos looking at girls with big hair in the front row and big cleavage. And they're just, it's this red-blooded, hot American fun, okay? What's wrong with that? There's nothing, there's a place for that. Why was I so uptight about it? I don't know. I love it. Also, just side note, every woman I've known in my life, uh, every single one has loved John Bon Jovi. He is the consensus babe amongst chicks. Why? I mean, I kind of get it. I mean, yeah, he's an attractive, charismatic guy. Uh, and he's talented. He can write songs. He can sing. But even to this day, even now, which I still kind of get, I get, I get the attraction. What I don't get is a universal consensus. So, Tell me, what is it about John Bon Jovi that you love? I want to know. Like I said, literally every single woman I've ever met in my life that I've known, my dad's girlfriends, my wife, uh, you know, previous girlfriends I've had. I don't know that my sisters have opinions on this. I should probably ask them. But it's just like every time John Bon Jovi comes up, every time he comes on the screen, every time he gets mentioned, whatever it is, it's like, oh, John, you know, oh, <laughs> John, what was the word? I don't know. John Bon Jovi. Let me know. 617-906-6638. Let me know what your thoughts on John Bon Jovi are, ladies. And uh, yeah, also um, hit me up with your music recommendations. I'm here for it, okay? I'm always here for the music rec. 617-906-6638 at Pod. Back in a flash. Alrighty, let's recap, shall we? Number one, New Order is the latest episode of Disgraceland in your feeds now. Number two, we've got a Badlands episode this week in the Badlands feed on Jane Mansfield. Number three, next week in the Disgraceland feed, it's Merle Haggard. Number four, my number is 617-906-6638. Call me on the telephone or text me. So in honor of call me on the line, call me anytime. Debbie Harry and her infinite coolness, me reading you the phone book from the early aughts in Manhattan. Salons, Geo, 2-7426. Tybor, Salary, 450 East 63rd, 81241. Sale, William, 450 East 63rd, WA 5-5800. Sal, the sport, sportswear, 237 East 116th, 9-4426. Salami, Joe's Grocer, 20 First Avenue, 4-3640. Salar, Regina, 219 West 81, 7-1-169. Sal, Jake, 219 West 81st, 4-7203. Salco, Mary, 418, 51st, Quit talking and start mixing. Cut it!